Lewin Diaz, Lewin Diaz, a player so nice, the Orioles claimed him twice. We'll talk about that, plus Nick Vespi's surgery and the Orioles' zips projections that came out over at Fangraphs, coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, January 9th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, it is an Orioles news and notes pod here on a Monday, getting to the things we have missed here on the pod since I was last with you on Wednesday. We'll talk about the Orioles claiming Lewin Diaz off waivers for the second time this offseason, why they did that, and why they decided to DFA Ryan O'Hearn to make room just two days after acquiring him in a trade from the Kansas City Royals. Then we'll talk about Nick Vespi, who had hernia surgery last week and could miss opening day, how that impacts the Orioles' bullpen early in the season. And then the Orioles' zips projections are out at Fangraphs. We'll look at some of the most interesting projection numbers and some of the funniest player comps they had over at Fangraphs. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's jump right into it. Orioles news and notes here on a Monday. Sorry the schedule was a little bit whack on the podcast last week. Ended up recording Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, mostly because the Ryan O'Hearn trade was made on Tuesday. But generally moving forward, it'll be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday pod throughout the offseason until the O's get back to Sarasota and we get back to five days a week. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen and like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles podcast YouTube page as well. So let's start with our first topic, Orioles news and notes. The O's making a roster move late last week, as on Thursday they claimed Lewin Diaz off waivers from the Atlanta Braves and designated Ryan O'Hearn for assignment to make room on the 40-man roster. The Orioles 40-man still sits full at 40 players. Now let's start with Lewin Diaz because it has been a roller coaster offseason for the 26-year-old first baseman. Of course, Diaz, you've already heard me talk about him multiple times on this podcast. Well, that's because the Orioles already claimed him in early December and have already DFA'd him in late December this offseason. Of course, He's been in the big leagues with the Marlins since 2020, left-handed hitter in his mid-20s who is an elite defensive first baseman but can't really play another position. And although he has some really raw power in his bat and he showed it off in AAA for years, just hasn't been able to hit really at all in the major leagues. Last year with the Marlins, 58 games, 174 plate appearances, hit just 169 with a 45 WRC+. plus. He was 55% worse than the league average hitter in Major League Baseball last year. But he still has a chance to improve the bat. And again, the defense is very, very good. And the Orioles, it seems like, are kind of stockpiling options for kind of number two left-handed hitting first baseman to try and make this roster. Of course, they trade for Ahern. They have claimed Diaz again. They have Franchi Cordero and, and guys like Josh Lester and, and Nomar Mazzara as well, kind of all falling into that mix for the Orioles. Now, in terms of Diaz, the O's bring him back again it makes you think that the O's probably like him somewhat. And you can only like a player so much who hit 169 the previous season, but he's got the tools. He has a crazy strikeout rate, but when he does actually connect with the baseball, 
He hits it hard. He's got good launch angle numbers. Hits the ball in the air. Hits the ball out of the ballpark. He just doesn't make nearly enough contact. And again, he is, I think it's easy to say, the best defensive first baseman in all of baseball. But he just can't get himself on the field with a better team. I mean, really didn't even play that much for the Marlins just because the bat has been so bad. But the O.C. something there they want to work with. Now, it's been a crazy offseason for Diaz. Here is the offseason timeline for Lewin Diaz. After a tough season with the Marlins, he was DFA'd by Miami on November 15th. A week later, November 22nd, claimed off waivers by the Pirates. But then the Pirates acquired two other better first basemen. They signed Carlos Santana, and they traded for G-Man Choi. So on November 30th, just eight days after he'd been claimed, the Pirates DFA Lewin Diaz. And then the Orioles jump in. Just a couple days later, December 2nd, the Orioles claim Diaz off waivers, but then the O's needed to make a move of their own. And on December 21st, the Orioles DFA'd Lewin Diaz. Now, with Diaz on waivers, the Orioles were able to find a trade partner. And two days later, December 23rd, the Orioles traded Lewin Diaz to the Atlanta Braves for cash considerations. But he wasn't long for the Braves. Just five days after that, December 28th, the Braves DFA Lewin Diaz. And then on January 5th, he is claimed by the Orioles off waivers once again. So what an offseason it has been for Diaz. And here's the thing. He's probably not done being DFA'd. I am almost certain the Orioles are going to DFA Lewin Diaz again. To be quite honest with you, the next move the Orioles make, whether it's a signing, a trade, or another waiver claim where they have to put someone on the 40-man roster, which is currently full, most likely Lewin Diaz is going to be the guy who's DFA'd again because they've done it once and they're going to do it again. And you think, well, why are they claiming him if they're just going to DFA him again? Well, what the Orioles really want to do here is sneak him through waivers. Now, they weren't able to do it the first time, but as the offseason goes on, it gets easier and easier to slip players through waivers. Early in the offseason, in November and December, when Diaz was going through all this DFA limbo, is when teams' rosters, in terms of free agency and trades, aren't really set yet. So they have space on the 40-man to you know, maybe claim a player who could be a reclamation project and see if maybe they'd have space to fit him on the roster. But as we get deeper into the offseason, into January and February... Teams' active rosters and teams' 40-man rosters are more set heading into spring training, and they don't have as much move to just make a why-not claim. Well, the Orioles' thought process, you would think, is, all right, let's claim him again, and maybe, you know, in a couple weeks, when we plan to DFA him again, when we have to put someone else on the roster, maybe by then, everyone else's roster will be so full that he'll slip through waivers, and then the Orioles would be able to assign him to AAA Norfolk, keep him in the organization, get him to spring training, and kind of work with him with the tides to try to figure out what is going on with that bat. That is most likely the plan for Lewin Diaz. Now, the flip side of this move was... Surprising as well, because on Tuesday, the Orioles acquired Ryan O'Hearn in a trade with the Kansas City Royals for cash considerations. O'Hearn, another left-handed hitting first baseman who has been in the big league since 2018, and he was good in 2018 as a rookie and has been a really bad hitter since then for Kansas City. You can go back and check out Tuesday's episode for the full breakdown of Ryan O'Hearn. But the O's felt, you know, solid defense, has a good bat. You know, the stats late in 2022 got much, much better for O'Hearn in a Royals uniform, and, and maybe there was something there. But I did mention in that episode last week that O'Hearn was probably still going to be the next guy that was DFA'd because although, you know, he would be owed $1.4 million next year and has been a big league player, the Orioles don't necessarily need that kind of, quote, backup first baseman who hits left-handed. It'd be nice to have that on the roster, but you probably want someone a little more versatile than O'Hearn or Diaz because both of them are pretty much first baseman. Now, O'Hearn can play the outfield some, and he's okay out there, but Diaz is, is basically just a first baseman defensively, even though he's very good there. 
So you'd like a better hitter and more versatility. These are just guys to try to get them in your system. So again, you're asking, why are the Orioles DFAing O'Hearn two days after they traded for him? Well, don't really think of it as a trade because when you look at what the O's have done, I mean, O'Hearn was DFA'd by the Royals. The O's then put in the claim and then to make sure they got him, made the trade for cash considerations. It's kind of how those things work. Now, the Orioles also did the same thing with Tyler Nevin. Remember, they DFA'd him, traded him for cash to the Tigers, and did the same thing with Lewin Diaz last time, DFA'd him, and then traded him for cash to the Braves. So all that small amount of cash is just being kind of passed around. So you can essentially treat O'Hearn as the Orioles just claiming him on waivers, because really that's what they did. Don't really see it as a trade. And when you see it as a claim on waivers, it makes a lot more sense that the O's would just DFA him two days later. And the plan for O'Hearn basically is the same with Diaz. The Orioles would like for O'Hearn to slip through waivers, be able to get him off the 40-man, but keep him in the organization in AAA. He cannot refuse that assignment. He has to stay in the org. And then again, work with him to try and get that bat back to have him be a potential bench platoon something option for the Orioles and the Bigs at some point in 2023. That's the plan for both of these guys, Diaz and O'Hearn. You know, we'll see if O'Hearn does slip through waivers. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets claimed. I wouldn't be surprised if the O's traded him again. You know, it's it, he's not an important piece. And that kind of brings me to the, the final thing on both these guys. I did my opening day roster prediction, my first one a couple weeks ago. Even with these two, I don't see either Diaz or O'Hearn making the Orioles opening day roster. There's a chance that both of them start the year in Norfolk. And, and maybe one of them or both of them could be in an Orioles uniform at some point this year. But I think it would take some sort of injury for that to happen. I just think there are pieces on the edges that aren't really going to factor in for the Orioles this year. But another guy who's on the edges of the roster, at least the active roster right now, is Nick Vespi. You know, if opening day was tomorrow, it'd be a really tough call whether or not to put him on the opening day roster. But that decision may have been made for the Orioles earlier this week as he had sports hernia surgery on Thursday. So coming up next, we will talk about what a Nick Vespi absence could mean for the Orioles' bullpen, especially early in the season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis here in January. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Really, of course, it starts with college football, the national championship game, is tonight between Georgia and TCU. Get all the lines and the odds for that game at Bet Online. Plus, of course, you got pro football. The NFL playoffs starting this weekend. The Ravens get in. They'll face the Bengals again. Some good matchups Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. All the lines for every game at Bet Online. And then, of course, college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL all going on as well. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do if you listen to this one, you can find those at Bet Online as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at Bet Online, where the game starts. So the Orioles had some other news with their roster last week, not just claiming Lewin Diaz off waivers and DFAing Ryan O'Hearn, but they also got some news, or at least gave us some news, on Nick Vespi in terms of an injury. As Nick Vespi underwent hernia surgery on Thursday, the Orioles said he'd be available, quote, early in the 2023 season. Now, it doesn't seem like they're worried that he's going to miss like a significant chunk of the year. But what that quote says to me is the Orioles have no way of saying for sure that he'll be ready for opening day and that 
his readiness for opening day is probably very much in question at this point. Obviously, depends on how all, you know, the rehab from the surgery goes for Vespi. He literally just had it a few days ago. But it is something to monitor because although Nick Vespi is not like a stone-cold lock for the Orioles' opening day roster by any imagination, he is very much in the mix. I mean, Vespi, the left-hander, made an impact with the Orioles last year. You know, it was kind of an interesting spot where he didn't get added to the 40-man. They didn't protect him from the Rule 5 draft. It was almost for sure he was going to get taken. Then the Rule 5 draft doesn't happen, so the Orioles get to hang on to him. And they did get to use him in the majors. He made 25 appearances out of the Oriole bullpen last year in 26 and a third innings. Vespi had a 4.10 ERA with a 4.48 FIP, a 25% strikeout rate, which was above league average, and a 7% walk rate, which was below league average. He really did have a solid rookie season, albeit not a full season, out of the Orioles' bullpen. Now, the big reason why that wasn't a full season is because the Orioles maximized the amount of options they could use for Nick Vespi, the new role that came into play this year with the five options for pitchers. The Orioles did all of them with Nick Vespi. They, they, they got to the limit. He was kind of the Norfolk shuttle guy for this very, very good Orioles bullpen in 2022. And now he did struggle a little bit near the end of the season. The Orioles actually sent him back down to AAA on September 5th. And he did not return for the next month, only came back up as the extra man on the roster the final day of the season, October 5th, when the Orioles had that doubleheader against the Blue Jays. He did come back up and pitch in that doubleheader to finish off his season. But that was, you know, kind of the, one of the larger chunks he spent in AAA, but he spent a few at least significant chunks down in Norfolk. Now, the one thing I'll say about his numbers, he had one horrendous outing that really spiked his ERA. Take you back to June 29th in Seattle. Vespi came in kind of early in a game in Seattle. It was game three of a three-game series, a day game, and just got lit up. Recorded just one out and allowed six runs on seven hits. If you take out that one performance, Vespi had a 2.08 ERA in 26 innings this year as a rookie with the Orioles. I know you can't take out and just cherry-pick appearances, but if you just take out the one and an ERA drops from 4.10 to 2.08, basically cuts it in half, you know that was a really, really bad day. Early, very early in the big league career, I, I might add, for Nick Vespi. So, you know, he only throws 89, but that fastball has the natural cut on it. He does have a really good slider. I mean, that is his go-to pitch. Now, again, I don't think Vespi is or was a stone-cold lock for the opening day roster. Now, the language the Orioles used makes me think, injury-wise, he's not going to be ready for opening day. So you kind of cut him out of at least the opening day bullpen picture now for the Orioles. But a couple weeks back when I did my first Orioles opening day roster prediction, make sure to go back and check that one out, I, of course, talked about the possible eight-man bullpen, and I did not include Vespi. Now, I kind of had him in that group that was right on the bubble, one of the last guys to be off. I think for the Orioles bullpen, there really are five locks for the bullpen right now. And this is assuming a rotation of Kramer, Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Gibson, and Tyler Wells. I hope the O's add another starting pitcher, but if they don't, I think that's probably your starting rotation, your five starters. You can only carry 13 pitchers on the 26-man roster, which leaves you eight bullpen spots. And again, I think five are locked up. Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, Brian Baker, and Michael Givens. I think all five of those guys have a locked up spot unless they're injured. So really it only opens up three bullpen spots. And I think two of them have to go with the two starters who I wouldn't put in the rotation necessarily, but might be piggyback guys 
early in the season, that would be Austin Voth and D.L. Hall. I don't know exactly what their roles would be, but I think they're going to be on the roster. So really, it kind of only feels like, unless there's an injury, there's only one open spot on the Orioles pitching staff right now. And if you think about it, if the Orioles sign another veteran starter or they make a trade for you know a starting pitcher, unless they send one of their current big league pitchers in that trade, those would kind of fill up their 13 pitchers, at least projecting it into opening day. But right now, it feels like there's one spot left. And to me, there's probably five guys that were in that mix for the final spot. Keegan Aiken, Andrew Politti, Joey Crable, Mike Bauman, and Nick Vespia. I feel like we're the five guys that were really in the mix for that spot. Now, when I did my prediction a couple weeks ago, I put Keegan Aiken in that final spot. Although he was kind of rough in the second half, I think he did enough in the first half, showed length, that I think he would be at this point the guy to finally make that spot. But Joey Crable certainly has a case. Again, he finished poorly this season, but was really good in the first half. Mike Bauman has a case. He can give you length. He can be a spot starter. He looked good at the end of the year. And there's a reason the Orioles took Andrew Politti in the Rule 5 draft. He certainly has a case to make the team. And again, Nick Vespi had enough success, and he is a left-hander to make that case as well. I think this injury does make it a little easier for the Orioles to make that decision. Again, if they don't bring in another pitcher, I would think still Politti, Aiken, Crable, and Bauman would be down to that final spot. And when Vespi comes back, I 100% predict that he will pitch for the Orioles in the big leagues this year. Now, what I will say about Nick Vespi is this surgery does not help his chances of staying on the roster because I think most likely Vespi makes it to opening day on the Orioles 40-man but there's a scenario in which the Orioles maybe make a couple more moves and Vespi would be pretty close to the chopping block on the 40-man roster right now. I mean, he's closer than you think. You know, I would say Lewin Diaz is probably the number one guy on that list. But after that, I mean, you're looking at the the Crables, the Vespies, the Spencer Watkins, the Bruce Zimmermans of the world potentially after that. So, you know, he's a little closer than you think. I do think he'll make it to opening day. Maybe won't be ready. He'll be put on the injured list. I do think he'll pitch for the Orioles at some point this year, but they've got some talent in the bullpen. If there's not a lot of injuries, it's going to be tough for him to get some innings. But what this does do is, you know, just take one of those guys out of the running for what I think right now is is a final spot, really just one spot that's currently open in the Orioles bullpen. But we will see, you know, once he does get back from this hernia injury, you know, again, could make a miss opening day. I don't think it's going to be something where he misses a giant chunk of the season, you hope, and hopefully he's ready early in the year to help the Orioles. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of numbers he could put up and, and what the projections look like for Nick Vespi and for all of the Orioles in 2023. Well, luckily, the big projection system over at Zips, run by Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs, who is also an Orioles fan as well, the projections are out for the 2023 Orioles. And I'm not going to run through all of them. You can check them out over at Fangraphs. But coming up next, going to hit some of the highlights, some of the guys projected to lead certain stat categories for the Orioles, how they look as a team. And Zips also makes near-age comparisons for the current Orioles players to former Major League Baseball players and other current players as well. Just wanted to point out some of the ones that were cool and some that made me laugh as well on those Zips projections. That's all coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Because if you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and all the calories, well, you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know for a lot of people, the goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. And if that's your goal, you got to try Built. Because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, these protein bars 
So delicious. So delicious. You won't think they were good for you. They're perfect for a New Year's resolution. What makes a Bilt Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in amazing, unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. And I'm not sure how Bilt does it, but here's the thing. They're healthy and delicious. All these bars have only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And while in the past you had to order off Bilt.com and wait around for your bars, that is not the case anymore. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. So head into the Walmart, get a four-pack of maybe the cookies and cream and the double chocolate, or go to Sam's Club. You want some more Bilt Bars? A 13-bar box. Hit flavors like brownie, batter, and churro. You can thank me later. So you can go to built.com or go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, pick up a box, a case of delicious and nutritious Built Bars. So we're back here on an Orioles News and Notes episode, finishing off the pod here on a Monday. And wanted to talk about the Zips projections that came out for the Orioles last week. Now, the Zips projections done by Dan Zimborski, who is the projections man over at Fangraphs, also is an Orioles fan, so, you know, um, he is not, uh, you know, going to put any extra bias, not that he's putting any bias in projections, they are literally fully numerical projections, but these are closer to his heart when he does the Orioles projections. Now, Zips does these projections every single year, they break it down team by team, and it's always really interesting to get a look at the full projection. Now, I'll put a link you know, in the podcast description of this episode if you want to go look at the, at the full write-up and the full projections. But there were some cool numbers I just wanted to point out from what Zips is projecting the Orioles to do in the 2023 season. And it starts with here's some of the offensive leaders. It projects Ryan Mountcastle to lead the team in batting average at 269. Not a super high batting average, but the Orioles aren't really constructed as a super high batting average team. Unsurprisingly, Adley Rutschman projected to lead the team in on-base percentage at 363, in OPS Plus at 126, and in WAR at 4.7, according to Fangraphs. They're projecting him to, again, unsurprisingly, be the Orioles' best player. They've got Gunner at a 123 OPS Plus. They also have Gunner with 4 WAR. That'd be the second most valuable player on the O's. And then Cedric Mullins at 3.2. Zips projecting Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle to share the Orioles' home run lead with 29 homers apiece in 2023. And then interestingly enough, which made me feel a little better about this offense, Zips projected eight Orioles players to finish with an OPS plus above 100 in 2023. That means they projected eight of the O's hitters to be above league average at the plate this season. Now, I will give a caveat. For some reason, one of those guys was Lewin Diaz. Zips loves Lewin Diaz and projected a 102 WRC plus despite it being 45 for him last year. And I really don't think Lewin Diaz is going to really play for the O's this year. So it's mostly seven players they're projecting with an OPS plus above 100, but that's still pretty good. Zips projecting Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, Cedric Mullins, Ramon Arias, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Santander, and even Austin Hayes at 102 to be an above-league average hitter in 2023. Now, you'd like to have more stars and studs in that lineup, but it's good to have a deep lineup. If you have seven of your starting nine above average offensively, that's a really good start to getting to the playoffs. Now, on the pitching side, some numbers that some might expect and some would even be more excited about than they thought the projection ERA leader for the Orioles overall, Felix Bautista at 2.94. And in the rotation is Dean Kramer 
at 3.51. In terms of strikeout percentage, projected leader in the bullpen, Felix Bautista at 31%. Basically, Zips loves Felix Bautista because he's awesome and projects him to have another amazing year as the Orioles' closer. But here's a really fun one. The Grayson Rodriguez projection. 111 innings, which he could throw a little more, but I could see it being around that because of innings limits. A 3.98 ERA, not anything amazing, but I'll take it. And a 29% strikeout rate, which would be the second highest on the Orioles staff, according to Zips. I will take that every day of the week. 22% is a league average strikeout rate. 29% is amazing, especially for a starting pitcher. Now, Zips did not project any Orioles starter to go over 137 innings of work this year. They had guys like Bradish and Kramer and Kyle Gibson reaching right around that at 130-ish innings mark. I would bet that Gibson especially and probably Kramer and maybe even Bradish all throw more than 137 innings this year, but we will see. But a couple of other interesting projections. They have John Means getting back from injury, I think sooner than some of us think. They project John Means to throw 111 innings and have a 3.98 ERA. And then they project D.L. Hall to be in kind of a starter hybrid role where he'll start some, he'll pitch in relief some, and he will pitch as kind of a piggyback guy some. They have him with a 4.14 ERA in 87 innings this year for the Orioles. So those are just some of the interesting projections from Zips. Here's the fun part. Zips for every single player that could even sniff potentially the major leagues for the O's this year. So 40-man roster guys, you know, minor league signing guys, and guys that are in the minors and are prospects but are, you know, mostly in AA or above, Zips does projections. It also does player comps where it does a age-wise player comp. So it's called a near-age comparison. So comparing it to other players, both historically and in the game now, in that same age as the player they're being compared to. So, for example, I'm going to start with one of the funnier ones. Anthony Santander. His projection and comparison was Jay Gibbons, which was honestly hilarious. And it's not just Orioles-specific. It's to all players that have ever played. But the fact that it was Jay Gibbons was just fantastic. Joey Ortiz got a Didi Gregorius comp. Pretty interesting. Felix Bautista was the most exciting. They actually project three different players for each guy. Felix Bautista's three players were Trevor Hoffman, Goose Gossage, and Cody Allen. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Dean Kramer projected at the same age as Johnny Cueto. I will certainly take that. Grayson Rodriguez projected to do around what Josh Beckett did in his rookie season. Remember, Beckett was great early with the Marlins couple others that were cool kind of, you know, Orioles comparisons as well. Gunnar Henderson got a Bobby Gritch comp. Kyle Gibson got a Mike Boddicker comp. Tyler Wells with a Pete Harnish comp. Uh, Michael Givens got a Kevin Gregg comp, which was hilarious. And Dylan Tate got a Jim Johnson comp as well. And then one to finish it off with, which was just incredibly random. Drew Rahm got two different comps, which were kind of hilarious. One was Jamie Moyer, and the other was Tommy John. No, not saying he's going to get the surgery. Literally comped him to the baseball player Tommy John that the surgery was named after. Again, this doesn't mean those guys are going to have the same kind of seasons, but it's always fun to look at those comps. And, you know, some of these made me chuckle. I legitimately laughed out loud at Anthony Santander and Jay Gibbons. It just brought back some some positive, some negative Orioles memories and just uh, just made me laugh thinking about Jay Gibbons as well. But, hey... 
You know, the Orioles certainly, certainly overshot the projections and expectations in 2022. Maybe they can do the same thing again. The thought across the board in general from the projections was the Orioles could use another starting pitcher. That was kind of the number one takeaway, and I think that's most of our number one takeaways at this point with the O's. But that'll do it for today's episode. Plan is to be back on Wednesday, back to that Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule this week, unless some Orioles news breaks. But we're going to get to our Baltimore Orioles trade target series here on the pod, where recently we've talked about the Marlins um, and maybe have some trade targets for the Orioles. The Mariners maybe have some trade targets for the Orioles when it comes to starting pitching. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers coming up on Wednesday. The new host of Locked On Brewers will join us for this one. We're going to talk about Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff. Could the Orioles go get them? But maybe some more realistic guys like our Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser potentially available for the Orioles in trade. Maybe not the sexiest guys, but two guys that, that would upgrade the Orioles rotation heading into 2023. But that's all coming up on Wednesday's episode when I return. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, 